0: Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a RotoViz podcast. This is the December 18th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant, Randall. and today we bring back a RotoViz regular, John Lipinski. He's been a writer for Rotoviz, Dynasty, Best Ball. He's doing NFL Futures and Props with At Bet, the Prop. He's focusing on the New Jersey books. Jersey Pride here, joining the podcast this week. Great guy, fantastic, really smart, great knowledge and strategy for us. So very excited. Fantasy football playoffs in full effect. John Lipinski is here. Follow him on Twitter at FF underscore skeeball. John, welcome back, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, thanks for having me on, Mike. Appreciate it. I want to know the great things that you're doing. One of the smartest guys I know always give great insight here. You're doing stuff at Bet the Prop. Talk about how it's going and, and what you're doing here on a daily basis because I'm sure it's something really good. Sure, yes.
1: Yeah. So I mean, especially with the pandemic this year, I, I had a tough time really getting into a ton of best ball this off because it's like hard making that that season long investment. But it, but even last year, I'd started focusing more on props with the, the NFL props. You know, you get a real immediate Return to it instead of you know waiting the whole season yep. to get that payoff, you can get you know just right that week, bam, 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 you make a bunch of plays and if you 're right, you get paid if you 're wrong you don 't um so yeah we we 've had a good season over at bet the prop uh, we 're up about i think it's fifty six units right now on our on our NFL plays and that'll do season seasons, seasons <laughs> widened down um, but we got n b a coming up getting ready for that. We finished up a nice run on uh, f one two court Smith, another uh roto-viz guy yeah he was, uh Doing a ton of F1 racing props, a lifelong love of his, and those done really well. So, yeah, just grinding it out, making money.
0: Yeah, John, one of the smart guys here, sort of a guy who's been around for a long, long time at Rotoviz and that's what we love about the site, folks. There's so many people here. You know, we follow the metrics. We're thinking this through. It's not good. It's a perfect balance but solid math background. It does not surprise me to hear about the 50 units up. That's fantastic. <laughs> I want to start looking at a, at a prop perspective with some of the late-season development. So, obviously, the NFL props are out every week, and you can dive into them and give your recommendations. But I'm curious here to get your thoughts on what you thought about these players initially, and then what you think about them moving forward. We're going to start in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, right? First start, I will say, John, that my lack of faith in Jalen Hurts harpooned several strong DFS lineups. I had the David Montgomery. I had the Derrick Henry. I even had Rojo because I have <laughs> a, ridiculous addition to, a ridiculous addiction to Ronald Jones. You but and I, me it, both,
1: brother. You and me right. both.
0: Well, that's the thing. So I nailed the flex, I nailed the two running backs, and then I went with Mike Lennon. So I, that's what happened to me. If I only had believed in Jalen Hurts, did you believe in him right away? And what do you think now rest of the season? Is there some value there with the 100 yards rushing that he had last week? Yeah,
1: I mean, it always comes down to with these rushing quarterbacks, if they've got the potential for rushing yards, they're always going to have that you know, high floor with a crazy high ceiling too. Because he could always run for two touchdowns and 100 yards. It's a possibility. And what we saw out of him this past week, we're not going to see that every week. He's not going to average 100 yards or anything like that. But we could certainly see it happen again. And, you know, let's say he runs for 40, 50 yards. That's still a nice boost to your scoring there. Uh, His matchups going forward are not that bad. Uh, He's got Arizona coming up. And, you know, they're always good for – I like to look at pace for all the games that we're looking sure. at here. You know, how yeah. many plays are going to be run in general. Arizona generally a high pace team, so we're looking at more plays in the game total. So that's going to be good for Hertz. And then after that, he gets Dallas. And I yep. mean, Dallas is, you know, one of the softest defenses out there, especially for rushing. So, um, you know, even if he's not passing for a ton on them, he, he could run for a ton. So I think closing out in the fantasy playoffs here, he's got a real good shot to uh, to put up some big numbers again.
0: Yeah, John, I'm going to skip ahead on the show sheet to a question here because you brought it up. I would say that the reason I did not believe in Hurts was the Saints defense because their Mm. run defense was so strong. We've talked with several people this year about do defenses matter, right? That's the question. Of course they matter, but I guess is it overvalued? And when you look at your weekly assessments, how much does that weigh in?
1: I'd say it weighs in for my sit-start decisions in fantasy. Uh, I will definitely consider that. I'd say with a rushing quarterback like Hertz, it weighs in less because I assume if – I was working out of the assumption, first of all, that the Eagles would be losing. They weren't. (laughs) But it it didn't really matter. But the fact that he would end up with the ball in his hands a lot, and if he couldn't find anybody to throw to because their pass defense has been really strong too, that he'd take off running and that he'd be able to you know, maybe not be crazy efficient running because, like you said, they have had a strong rushing defense as well. But he'd at least get those opportunities. The ball would be in his hands a lot, and he'd get a chance to make things happen. So on a, on a single week basis with a quarterback, it doesn't concern me as much with a rushing quarterback since he has two ways to beat him. Um, in, in general, for defenses, so for, for props, for instance, you have to take into account that the lines are already taken and the, de- the opposing defense into account, right? That yeah. That information is already baked into the line. Now, you always have to ask yourself, is it baked in enough? You know is is this is this too much uh being put on the defense or are they are they dropping the line too much due to the defense due to a good defense are they uh, inflating it too much when they're going against a poor defense so yes it's baked in there but you got to kind of say hey is it too much or too little um you know a good example this past week uh Dalvin cook facing the Buccaneers. They've got one of the strongest rush defenses out there, and uh, I went with uh, Dalvin Cook under 23.5 rushing attempts this past week because I said, you know, he's if you look at his recent games, he's gone over in like four of his last six games at attempts number, but yep. five of those six games were wins, and Minnesota's a touchdown underdog here, and he's going up against a strong rushing defense. The only The only time he went over in a loss this season was when they were facing Dallas. And that's because it's Dallas and they stink. And, you know, that game was kind of back and forth relatively close. But you can run on Dallas all day. So um, even though Minnesota kept us close, and, hey, if if the, if the field goal kicker was making his kicks, they probably should end up winning the game. Uh, Dalvin ended up with just 22 attempts because, in the end, they were losing, and in the fourth quarter, he really didn't get that many carries. So even though he started off with, like, I think it was like 11 carries in the first quarter, just couldn't stay, sustain it throughout the game. So um, that was the case where I said, hey, I think that even though Dalvin Cook obviously gets a ton of attempts, he'll get games with thirty attempts that they were underestimating the Buccaneers rushing defense in general, and the fact that the Vikings were dogs in that game, saying like hey there's uh, there's multiple paths here for this under to hit either you know the the Vikings are losing, and he's just not running that much because they have to pass. Or even if the Vikings are winning, they're just not having success on the ground. They say, hey, let's turn to the short passing game or something because we can't run on these guys. And it, it turned out they actually could run decently on the Buccaneers. But the other thing hit of the, the Buccaneers got up on them, and they had to
0: abandon the run. So It's funny. Tying in Dalvin Cook, full disclosure here, John, I'm lighting a novena. I am 13-0 and 0 in the serious XM Fantasy League. Ooh. Most points – I have a battle this week and a battle next week to the title. The pressure is insane. So I do have Dalvin Cook. The next guy I'm going to ask you about is also on the team, Taysom Hill. So what are you hearing about Taysom Hill next week? Obviously, I'd love it if they rest Drew Brees. That goes without saying. But what are you hearing about Hill And what has happened with Alvin Kamara, I understand that he's a running quarterback and running quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson don't like to check down. But I find it hard to believe that Taysom Hill has been there with the Saints, been prepped by by Drew Brees and by Sean Payton, gets in the game, and now the biggest weapon that the Saints have used in their offense, dump off passes to Alvin Kamara, is now no longer part of the equation. What are your thoughts there on Taysom Hill?
1: Well, you know, this past week he was part of the equation, and it's because they were losing. You know, I mean, if you look at Taysom's first three games that he started, they got Atlanta twice, and you know the Atlanta defense has been playing better, but the Saints got up in those games, and it's kind of like, um, you know, <laughs> you know, the people who like to compare, we used to make fun of all these announcers who compare Taysom Hill to Lamar Jackson. You know, yeah. you'd have the you know the the Monday night announcers or whatever. Oh, Taysom Hill he's a Lamar Jackson just because he could run. You know, yeah. um. And we're like, come on, he's not Lamar Jackson, but it's similar in that, you know, they can get up and then once they're up, they could run a little bit more and there's more things they can do. And then you put them in comeback mode and things get different. You know, things change. So they had Atlanta twice, got up on them, and then they had the Denver game where Denver literally didn't have a quarterback. So, I mean, he was never going to throw a whole lot in that game. And Kamar was also hurt a little bit, too. He, He had a foot thing, I think, going on, and now he's looking healthy again. So... I think that his uh, his 10 targets we saw this past week, I think he had 10 targets, Kamara did. Uh, I think that's something we'll see more of going forward in games where the Saints are maybe trailing or it's close, even with Taysom Hill in there. I mean, if, if Drew Brees comes back, obviously all bets are off. And it sounded like maybe he's trending that way. It's, it's hard to tell. But against Kansas City, you got to figure there's a good chance the Saints are going to be trailing. So, I don't think we're going to see 10 targets out of Kamara necessarily, but I think it's going to be a lot closer to that 10 this week than the, like, two or three we were seeing in the previous weeks.
0: What did you do at Bet the Prop when Taysom Hill took over? Did you downgrade him right away? I mean, I saw, I think the prop was four and a half, I want to say. It went down a little bit, but it still was pretty tempting. Was that something that, that you guys considered right away, or you were a little shocked, too, about how, much, how little he was
1: involved? I, I think we were all surprised that first week, and I think I did take – I want to say I don't remember if I took receptions or receiving yards over thinking that he'd still get a decent number of targets, and he didn't. So missed on that. Didn't touch it after that, but I actually did play it this past week. I played the Kamara receiving overs because it felt like it had been just adjusted too much. I forget what the exact number was off the top of my head, but it was down to, like, I think 2.5 over under for the receptions and 20 or fewer on the yards. And to me, that was just – I looked at the game scripts for the, the most recent games and said, "Hey, yeah." You know, and again, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to be that competitive against Philly or for them to be trailing. I said, "You know what? This is a situation where I think that th- there's a little recency bias baked in here. That just because these past few games he hasn't gotten gotten a ton of targets doesn't mean that there's not going to be more. Because I could see even if they weren't trailing Philly by this much, I totally could see Kamara getting five or six targets." I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think it was just a bit of recency bias and people saying, hey, with Taysom, he's just not getting targeted. It's like, well, you know, there's a number of factors there that went into it. And, you know, we were probably due for a little positive regression. And we did get it finally.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. We did get it. And it was something that was was worthwhile. And I I feel like you said, I, I think they have to keep him involved. There's no choice, especially now Taysom Hill. Maybe if he even starts against the Chiefs, you know, Chiefs pass defense is actually pretty good but i think obviously he's going to go back to to be in the center of attention then which is exactly where he should be for sure next one up cmc i think john he's going to be shut down i i really do i think at this point it it's just it's been a frustrating year he started off hot the injuries he got reinjured again this week which makes me turn my attention now to to mike davis so we have Carolina now headed towards Green Bay this Saturday on the 19th, 8 o'clock at night at Green Bay. Really good really good matchup for a running back. Mike Davis was great. He went RB9 week three, RB7, RB1 overall, then disappeared a little bit. Now has bounced back RB5 last week against Denver. Where are you looking at him from a projection standpoint this week against the soft Green Bay defense? Don't know if DJ Moore is going to be back with everything going on with the COVID list. Thoughts on Mike Davis? Has the clock struck twelve, or do you think he can rally here for fantasy fantasy gamers?
1: My basic take on Mike Davis is that he sucks, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and that he You're is a 28 product. year old veteran. I get it. I I understand. Yeah, he's a product of volume. Um, but that volume is still going to be there. So, I mean, keep, keep in mind this is the guy that Chicago brought in last year. The Bears brought in, and he started the year for them. They, you know, they drafted Montgomery, but they said we're going to we're going to start with Mike Davis. And he went out there in that first week and he sucked so bad they barely let him touch it again. And then they eventually end up cutting him. And then yeah. Carolina picks him up. And then you know Carolina's got nobody else after Christian McCaffrey went down. It's not like Mike Davis is beating out you know all these other studs on the roster here or anything. So, um, you know, I don't think he's particularly good, but obviously for fantasy, the big thing is he gets a ton of targets. And I I think that might continue this week. Green Bay's got a softer rushing defense, but Green Bay also, you know, and they've had some stinkers out there. They've had some games where you think, oh, Green Bay's, you know, going to have a good week this week, and then they'll, they'll fall behind and it'll be more competitive than you think. But they've also blown the door off some teams too. And I think, you know, that could happen against Carolina here where they get up and uh, you don't see Mike Davis running a lot. But for yeah. fantasy, that's probably actually better in that they're going to end up throwing to him more. So I do think that there's going to be a decent uh, volume for him here in the passing game against Green Bay. Um, and I, I, Obviously, you're playing him unless you got some better options, but... I don't think you're going to see a huge rushing ceiling. So for the purpose of uh, props, for instance, you know, if you're looking at it and you're saying, hey, this is a really uh, soft Green Bay rushing defense, you know, Carolina's going to try to attack him on the ground. Entirely possible. Could play out that way. Maybe Carolina keeps it closer, gets up, and they can do that. But I don't think he is an extremely talented runner or anything. So if he has a, a higher number for his rushing prop, I'd probably be looking at the under on that one if he's getting a boost due to the matchup. Um, I'd probably be looking to go under on that and maybe over on the receiving.
0: 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. According to Comscore, Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or just overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season is going to be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch Right now, an ice cold Pepsi may just be the best part about watching the Jets as they head out as 17-point underdogs against the Rams. But Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com. Check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. What's your most embarrassing moment in college? I talked last week. I was able to to get that out of Pat Corrine here. What what was an embarrassing moment you had there during our, our exploratory years, our adventure series?
1: <laughs> you know, I think my brain has blocked out most of uh the most embarrassing parts of college. Cause <laughs> I, I was trying to think, so I, I don't know if I really have anything, any one story I can point to that I could say, man, that was bad. I mean, I've got embarrassing stuff in my life, but there's nothing specifically college related. I can think of, I mean, other than your standard, like, you know, bottle of Southern Comfort, end up in a place where I don't know where I am, you know, waking up in a random room and, you know, saying, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? But, you know, that was one of those situations where everybody else is kind of messed up, too. So is you know, no harm, no foul. These these things happen. Um, So I, I don't have a great story for that one. Just the normal college shenanigans.
0: Yep. Yep. Fair enough. We've all had it. Cleveland Browns, John, what has happened to Odell Beckham? The Cleveland Browns, 9-4, and four, second in the AFC North, almost beat the Ravens in what was the game of the year so far on Monday. Uh, Baker Mayfield, statistically better without Odell. This was a guy who was off to the greatest wide receiver start in the history of the league. What has happened to him? What's his deal? And is he coming back next year to Cleveland?
1: Yeah, as a Giants fan, it's been tough to watch this because I, I really loved Odell when he played for the Giants, and um, I was sad to see him go, and I was really hoping he would kind of revitalize in Cleveland, but I'll admit I was not too high on him this year, and it was mostly just came down to Kevin Stefanski coming in there and, and assuming that he'd be looking to run a run-first offense. And yeah. in general, he has been, though I will give him credit that he's adjusted the game plan when necessary, and there's been times where they've come out throwing the ball where it, it makes, you know, not even just when they've gotten behind, but, you know, come out saying, hey, th- this is a game where we think we're better off throwing the ball, and they've done that. So uh, I, I've i appreciated that. But Odell, even before he got hurt, he was having one of his worst years. And just from watching him, even with, uh, you know, his latter years with the Giants and then his, his year with the Cleveland here, um, it's just looked like he's just not on the same page with his quarterback. And do you blame that on the quarterback? I mean, it's, it's easy to do that and say, oh, well, it's a, a new offense, new quarterback, you know, uh, struggling to get on it. But, you know, th- you can't make these excuses for, you know, great players. If, if it's a great player, a great player's going to find ways to, to make things happen. And he just hasn't. And he's going to be 29 next year, coming off a major injury. And, uh, you know, I think he'll be back on the Browns because I think the Browns are contenders and uh, they're better off with him than without him. But, the days of the old Odell Beckham we're used to might just be gone. And I, I don't think we're ever going to get the, the kind of volume that he's seen in the past either. So um, yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. I, and I, I don't know. I've got him on a couple dynasty squads and, you know, I'd, I'd try to sell him, but I don't know what you're really getting from him at this point. So um, I, I, I don't think we see another great Odell season again. That would be my prediction. If only because he's not going to get the volume to make it happen. And even if he does like ha- have a bit of a resurgence and, and a renaissance with his efficiency, I don't think the volume will be there to, to really give you that big, you know, top five, top six wide receiver season that we've seen out him in the past.
0: It's sad but true, but it just proves the point that the greatest skill these professional athletes can have is sustained success. So many athletes in different sports get criticized, right, for just not winning the big one. Yet year in and year out, they give you great performances. And really, sometimes winning that title is luck. But I, I think, John, I don't know if you d- disagree, you give me someone who produces at a high level every single year in the regular season, I'll take my chances on a title.
1: Sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's tons of players out there who, you know, only one team can win every year. you got 32 teams out there. It's just – the other guys get paid too. There's just no way you can put it all on one guy, and especially in a sport like football um you know basketball or something like that it's a a little little easier We say, "Hey, there's only five guys on the court at a time, but you know football is just it's such a team sport where you know if a guy's not winning the big one or anything like that if if you if you say "Hey he can produce and he's he's doing well you know over a long period of time uh, I think that's the most impressive thing.
0: Very few players this year have had such a roller coaster as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He comes into the draft. People are split on him. Great receiving back out of LSU, only had one year of production. Is it because he's in that system? All that stuff. Gets drafted last pick, which hits the running back over .5 running backs drafted in the first round (laughs) pick, with the very last pick to Kansas City. Everyone's talking how great he is. Articles are out there, John, in the fantasy social media that he should be the number one pick overall. These things are being talked about. Everything's fine. All of a sudden they get Le'Veon Bell. Start of the year, he ends up, Edwards Hilaire getting a lot of yards but minimal touchdowns. Now Bell's there. He's been hurt. People are wondering, you know, how good is he going to be? And on the flip side, Jonathan Taylor, a guy I was very high on, I thought was the number one running back, bet the prop on him on the over-rushing yards, which I believe is about 715, somewhere there. He's going to get it, thank God, but it was frisky for a while. I'm curious, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, you have a dynasty expert background, of course. Where do you lean, and how do you analyze this? Because Edwards-Hilaire has almost fallen off the map, hasn't he? I mean, he was the soup of the day early in the year, and now, of course, after Taylor's last two weeks, he's sort of taken front and center. So where do you lean there from a dynasty perspective?
1: Yeah, I'm a Jonathan Taylor guy. He was the better prospect. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire obviously went to the better offense. And we should expect that offense to continue being great. And I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to kind of bounce back and produce. Uh, one thing that, that really kind of torpedoed his value in the middle of the season here was he stopped getting a ton of targets. That if if he's getting targets and he has, like you mentioned there, he has such a great receiving background that you would think, hey, this guy's going to get. A bunch of targets in this offense that would you know give him that ability to to score you know in PPR leagues where even if he 's not rushing the greatest and his rushing hasn 't been the greatest lately that he'd be held up with uh, those target numbers I mean he had games early in the season where he 's getting eight targets, six targets, eight targets, and lately it's been more like two, three, four uh, this past week he had six finally though if he 's getting that it 's going to help him out I think he'll bounce back. But I think ultimately Jonathan Taylor has a higher ceiling that one of his questions coming in, uh, and I mean he, he was a decent receiver in college, but it was like how much is, how much are the Colts going to use him as a receiver? Because we saw this with Marlon Mack where he was their primary running back there. And even though Marlon Mack was a good college receiver actually, he was not getting targeted as a running back for the Colts. So it's like, hey, is this a schematic thing where they just are not targeting their back who's in there on first and second downs? But we've seen Jonathan Taylor go in there and get targets and be extremely efficient with them. I mean, he's been killing it when uh, when he's getting his targets. So I think that really gives him that that kind of upside of like he's the better runner. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is shifty and everything, but I think Jonathan Taylor is ultimately has the higher upside rushing, and we've seen that his upside receiving is probably, even if not from a volume perspective on that offense compared to Kansas City, Um, we've seen he he has very high receiving upside too. So I think in the long run that we've seen what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has done so far on this great offense where it's basically like that offense, you can't get better than that. You know, like you you put a guy in the ideal situation, he's already in the ideal situation, and this is what he's doing. I, I do expect him to do better than he has. But Jonathan Taylor is in a situation where that Colts offense isn't, the greatest offense. Now, now, granted, they were good at running the ball in the past, but it's not like uh, – I would be. would have been more worried about Jonathan Taylor early in the year if, like, Jordan Wilkins was going in there and producing. Now, you know, Naheem Hines had some good games rushing and everything like that, but neither of those other guys on the team were really, like, killing it rushing where you'd be like, well, this guy is doing great with this same offensive line. Why can't Jonathan Taylor do it? Uh, that wasn't really happening. So hmm. I think – you you got to look at it from a, a the perspective of the whole offense of like hey the Colts rushing game as a whole was kind of you know in a lull right there whereas with Kansas City you're like hey this is a great offense you know no matter what happens he should have room to run there so um i think the fact that you know Jonathan Taylor's doing what he's doing already despite kind of the slow start there but but the the fact that he's got the receiving going i think long term he's my pick he's just the better prospect i like what i've seen so far And uh, unfortunately, I was never in the position where I had to pick between the two of them. I had the the number two pick in a bunch of leagues, but I didn't have the number one at all. So uh, every league I had the number two pick, Hilaire went first, and I gladly took Taylor second.
0: Yeah, very true. I did the same exact thing. Let's talk hits and misses. For best ball, maybe, or seasonal, however you want to do it, what was your biggest hit of the season? Mine was my last pick in the number of best ball leagues I'm in, which is way too many, was Marcus Valdez Scantling. He was just there. No one wanted him. Lazard, questions about Rogers, et cetera, et cetera. But he's a home run guy and he's really paid off, giving me some nice production on the weekly basis. Who was your biggest hit of the year so far this year? You know, my, my biggest hit on
1: – I didn't do a ton of best ball this year compared to past years just because of all the uncertainty with this season. I said, you know, who knows what's going to happen here and, you know, are we going to lose games? Or are going to have a ton of guys missing time with COVID stuff? Um, so I went a little lighter this year, but my best late-round pick was uh, Brandon Ayuk. Like, yeah. I, I targeted him a lot in Dynasty. I liked him in best ball. Uh, you know he was going pretty late in best ball because you know you have Debo Samuel there, you had George Kittle, and obviously the injuries to those guys have have helped propel him here. But uh, I thought he was really good, and that he he would be really good, and that's obviously worked out pretty well. Um, up at the top of drafts, I grabbed a lot of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, just, smart. Uh, I mean, obviously, like that's a, a no brainer.
0: difference maker at the yeah. position. <laughs> Seriously, he could lead the. I saw that Matthew Friedman put out that he bet him last week or two weeks ago for most receiving yards. He could win most receiving yards of, of any receiver or tight end.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy that, that he's in that position. So, yeah, he's he's putting up one of the greatest tight end seasons ever. And, it's you know, there's no reason to think that he couldn't do that. It was like, hey, you know, he's available in the, the back half of the first round, even like tight end premium drafts or like the early part of the second round. And for me, that was just kind of a no-brainer where it's like, you know, this guy is – putting up numbers that are comparable with the top wide receivers. And as you know, might be even better than some of the top wide receivers and you're getting them at the tight end position. You know, it just, I I was targeting him in a lot of spots and that obviously has worked out real well. Um, I didn't do too many drafts right close to start of season, but I, I did pick up uh, James Robinson late in a couple Whoa. of those. Whoa!
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I got to give here credit here. Here wrote of his job zero RB, right? I mean he he's the he's the poster child. He, he is,
1: dude. he is. And I got to give credit to uh, Hassan Raheem for putting putting me on him. You know, I was looking at the the Jacksonville backfield, and he said, "Hey, you know, look more into James Robinson, man. He, he's going to be the truth and." I was reading more into it, and I was kind of like, "Why isn't this guy getting drafted higher? Why aren't more people on this guy right now?" And you know, you kept seeing the the comments trickle out from Jacksonville, um, you know, especially when they let forneco go, and they're basically like, "Hey, one of the reasons we let Fournette go was we think this guy's pretty good." It's like, "Whoa!" Like that—that's a pretty big thing to say about a rookie. And then, yeah. you know, as the season approached, they kept saying, "Hey, this guy's the real deal," and it seemed like people weren't quite picking up on him yet. So uh, I got him in a couple drafts I did late in the season, and on my teams where, you know, we had rookie drafts, like, in, you know, April or May. I, I admittedly wasn't on him then, but uh, nobody else was either. So when the first free agency run came around, I bid pretty big on him with uh, my FAB dollars. And I encouraged other people too, too. So I have a, a lot of friends and uh, colleagues who are saying, they're like, hey, man, th- thank you for telling me to go aggressive on this guy because, you know, he, he ended up winning me my league. And uh, honestly, I got him in, I think, like, seven or eight out of, like, nine or ten dinos. You know, I I missed him in one or two leagues or something like that. But I I was very aggressive with my bids. You know, it's kind of a philosophy of mine now to to go big early in the season if you got conviction and just just go for guys like that because you can end up getting a difference maker like him. And honestly, like, you know, as kind of a zero RB guy myself, I have a lot of teams that are extremely strong at wide receiver, tight end, and everything. But you'll kind of patch things together at running back year to year depending on, you know, the team. And he was a lifesaver in those leagues. You know, he's he's I've had a very good fantasy season. I mean I've I had one league where my team missed the playoffs and numerous leagues where I got first round by. So uh and a lot of credit to James Robinson for all that.
0: Absolutely. His opportunity share. I mean he he's just getting the touches every single week. Now let's look at the misses. I could give you a million. The one I'm gonna start with for me is DJ Chark. I mean I in certain situations where I picked early in the first round I did end up going running back running back and I then had a a long period of time there after that third round pick to get the next receiver and I feel like in every situation I went with Chark my argument was volume my argument was I thought Minshew was going to be the quarterback all year and it it just hasn't worked out for me and Keelan Cole looks like the better option here coming into week 15 who's a big miss for you this year that that you kind of were surprised at?
1: you know i like shark too i didn't go too hard on him but uh you know he definitely was kind of a disappointment i think that's a combination obviously of the quarterback situation and injuries um you know that that played a factor into it too so definitely a bummer you know fingers crossed we get a real quarterback there next year I, not that i mind you, but um that he can, he can do better next year you know one of my theories this year was that this is a really good wide receiver rookie class and some of these rookies that you could get late in redraft would come through and and put up some pretty big points that, you know, you could get some of these guys later that, uh, especially if you were going, you know, wide receivers at the top and then hammering the running backs, you know, through rounds like, you know, say like round six through ten or something, you know, picking up some of these secondary running back kind of guys, you could then, you know, get some good wide receivers in rounds 11 and 12, some of the rookies. So Ayuk might have been a hit for me, but other guys I was on were Ruggs and Rager. And I thought Ruggs would go into there into that uh, Las Vegas offense. I almost called them Oakland, but yep. uh, I thought he'd be able to go into there and just you know pick up a ton of targets, make some big plays. I didn't think he had like the greatest you know college profile. I mean, we, you know, we look at Dominator rating a lot and everything like that, but we've seen a lot of cases where these guys, these players on teams with other NFL quality talent, are undervalued a bit. Yeah, so it was easy to say, well, hey, look, he didn't you know, he didn't have a massive target share in college and everything like that, but he was playing with other NFL studs. you know. I mean, that, that's going to happen. So I said, just based on opportunity where they drafted him, I think he could have a big year. That didn't happen. Rager, it's a question. I think the jury's still out on him. Uh, obviously, he had the injury. Um, there's Carson Wentz. Whatever's wrong with that offense is wrong with that offense, and now you got Hurts in there. So uh, Rager's made some good plays, but – he obviously has not been good for fantasy. So uh, that, that was definitely a miss. And probably the biggest miss is a combination of going for those guys and not drafting a Justin Jefferson.
0: Oh, jeez. Yeah.
1: Which is a killer. So, I mean, when you look at if I had been on him instead of them, uh, that would have been huge. I mean, I was looking, you know, Minnesota's a run first team. Uh, they were saying at the beginning of the year, well, he's not going to start the year, you know, as the, the second wide receiver. We're going yeah, to remember hearing BC, B.C. Johnson. Yeah, B.C. Johnson. That's exactly yeah, right. yeah. And so you're you're hearing all that and you're like, well, maybe they're going to work the rookie in slowly. You know, they're not going to be a high pass volume team. They're going to really run it with Dalvin. And then obviously you turn out to just be an absolute stud. So not drafting him and then drafting these other guys who turned out to kind of bust. That that was a pretty big swing in those rounds. Of If I'd gone him over them, it could have been an even better year.
0: Those that listen to the podcast regularly know it's coming. Breakfast, John, what do you have in the morning? What's the preference in the Lipinski household?
1: See, I am not a big breakfast guy. I, there's a lot of days I just straight-up skip breakfast and then go for a bigger lunch. So um, my, my thing, though, as a Jersey guy, we've got some of the best bagels in the country here. Yes, we about. do.
0: Yes, we do, sir.
1: So if, if, if I'm going for, like, a nice, you know, picking up breakfast somewhere, I'm going for a bagel um, – my, my tops are everything bagels, pumpernickel bagels, and poppy seed. though, though that's 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 my leans there. Sesame seeds are up there too. Um, you know, just a regular cream cheese, maybe maybe a little fancy cream cheese from time to time. Get a little like olive cream cheese or scallion cream cheese or something a little crazy. But uh, definitely definitely a bagel guy if I'm uh, treating myself to a good breakfast.
0: Let's do a little word association. I did this last week. Give me a word and then maybe a brief explanation. I'm gonna say a name. Just give me the first word that comes to mind. Here, you're sitting on the couch. I'm getting the ink blots ready. Let's just go to work here. <laughs> David Montgomery, average. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I think yeah. he. Uh, I I actually like him coming out of college. He breaks a lot of tackles, but I don't think he has the burst to do a whole lot with him. Uh, but he catches passes too, so I think he's one of those guys just going to hang around and produce and never be too great, never be too terrible until you know something happens. So. Miles Gaskin, sell. Yeah. He's a he's a good receiver, but I don't think he's a special runner. Uh, the Dolphins seem to like him, but uh, I think he could easily get replaced at some point or have his role reduced. I mean, he's I, I actually picked up a lot in free agency this year. He's been good to me, but I don't think he's something long term.
0: This next one, he had his own draft level to me. There was robust RB, there was zero RB. And there was Kareem Hunt, R.B., because he was right in the middle. Kareem Hunt. Uh,
1: contract. Mm-hmm. He's in Cleveland for the next two years, and it's going to be the same as this year, where he, he's going to have big games and he can produce. And uh, I do think he'll be a bigger stud than he was when Chubb missed time this year. He didn't really have great games, but I think he has potential for that if Chubb misses times again. But you, you basically get what you get for the next two years. He's stuck in
0: Cleveland. Saw this guy being talked about in your Twitter timeline, DeAndre Swift.
1: Stud. I, I love Swift. I think he was one of those running backs that, uh, you know, people were getting a little down on and people didn't like Detroit as a destination. And, you know, obviously Patricia had a lot of fuckery there with uh, Adrian yeah. Peterson and running him on first and second down throughout the start of the year. But I think DeAndre Swift, uh, I like him. I think he's going to be good for years to come. Hopefully he, uh, stays healthy and everything uh, I think he's a stud
0: and Lynn Bowden
1: hmm eligibility <laughs> will he be yeah, the waiver wire at least this week for sure will he be a running back going forward is is a question that uh, he is looking like a wide receiver you know he has running back eligibility in a lot of leagues this year um he's an electric player he's exciting. Uh, but it, it's going to be interesting to see what his role is going to be. I, I think I think he looks great with the ball in his hands.
0: It'll be interesting to see how they use him going forward. Thank you, teacher. Time. Give a shout out to someone you feel had a big influence on you as a kid, college. However, you want to go with this question. Just an educator here. We we appreciate the educators here at Rotaviz. Want to get <laughs> some good vibes going. Uh, who's someone here that you want to thank?
1: You know, I, I had a lot of great teachers growing up. I, I really like the schools I went to and uh, I think I had great teachers, but uh, I got to give a shout out to my, uh, my fifth through eighth grade English teacher, Mrs. Pizza. She, uh, Mrs. Pizza? Is yeah, pizza? well, you, you pronounce a pizza, but it's spelled pizza. P I Z Z A. <laughs> And when she first started, she was a substitute. And can you imagine being a a substitute teacher coming into a bunch of fourth graders and writing your name, Mrs. Pizza, on the board? Oh,
0: wow. In middle school, that is just unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot
1: of of giggles, but I'm sure she got past that. But uh, we're actually – you know, it's funny. I'm – went to high school with her son after she taught me for years. And uh, her son's a lifelong friend now. I mean, I'm, I'm a good friend with the family, so I've, I've seen her over the years. But she always fostered my creativity. And, you know, even even as an adult, she, she helps build me up and, and says, John, you were always very creative, and I, I love what you did, and, you know, you should keep using that creativity. So she's uh, even once I was out of school, she's been, a, she's been an inspiration to me. So great teacher.
0: Instead of going redraft lightning round, what I want to do is I want to look at some of the week 15 matchups that are on your radar. I understand that the prop totals don't come out right away, but I'm just curious. I'm going to name some players who may be in easy or hard matchups and just give me your, your feel having looked at them every single week, how you think it's going to go. This one is selfish as well. Buffalo is going to Denver. Okay. And we know the Denver defense can always dial one up. They're going to be competitive there. Vic Fangio is going to do something, but they are down some guys in the secondary. I'm curious how you think Stephon Diggs is going to do out there in Denver. So give me the passing attack here for the Bills. Allen Diggs, what do you think? For Diggs, he just gets such good,
1: consistent volume that I'd be scared to bet an under on him. (laughs) I I don't think I've bet an under on Diggs all year. I've definitely hit his over on receptions that a lot of weeks you'll see him – open with a 5-5, a, five, five, a little bit juice to the over, and then it'll move up to a 6 or a 6-5. And uh, I've hit his reception over a bunch of times so far this year. Uh, Denver, like you said, their, their defense is a little Jekyll and Hyde. Sometimes they'll have these weeks where they kind of shut everybody down. Um, he'd probably be a no play for me, depending where his line is. But if, if they gave me 5-5 five, five without too much juice, I'd probably still lean to the over there.
0: Curious in your gut reaction here with Kansas City going to the Saints. Saints obviously fall apart against the Eagles defensively, can't stop Jalen Hurts, but you want to say that was like a new trick or something and they weren't ready for it, fine. But you know Peyton's been ready for this game. Patrick Mahomes, that offense, Tyreek Hill on the carpet, is it as easy as, listen, it's the Chiefs, nobody stops them? Or do you think the Saints defense can actually bounce back here and maybe you downgrade Mahomes a peg, let's say? Or, like, is Tyreek Hill coming in New Orleans and just going to continue to go flying down the field? Or do you think they finally may be able to limit him here in a huge matchup that could be a Super Bowl preview?
1: They might be able to slow Tyreek down, but they're not going to be able to slow the whole offense down. Uh, Mm -hmm. You've got to make a sacrifice somewhere. I think the Chiefs are going to keep rolling. I think the the only way they're going to be able to slow them down, I think maybe part of their problem last week versus the Eagles, is they weren't able to sustain their own drives, so they kept giving the ball back to Philly. Um, If they're not – it really, a lot of it might come down to Taysom Hill. You know, If he's starting again, can the Saints keep their drives going? Because I think the best way to slow Kansas City down is to keep them off the field. So if they're going to struggle again like they did versus the Eagles, not convert and get these first downs in the in the first half there, like they were struggling to do this past week, I think that um, you know they're, they're going to have a really tough time of it because I I think Kansas City is just Kansas City like you said that there, there's nobody who's really going to completely slow them down. So uh, you know it, it's tough to say will they sell out to stop Tyreek a little bit and let Kelsey beat him or or say hey you're going to have to beat us on the ground you know, let Clyde edwards solaire try to be us cuz we're going to we're going to just you know bracket cover your best receivers here. Um so as far as Tyreek props, I'd have to see where it opens at, but I think as a whole they're not going to slow that offense down too much.
0: Last one here I think I thought of goodwill hunting when I saw the Deontay Johnson disaster in the game against the Bills. (laughs) Uh, The old guy there with with, with, uh, Matt Damon saying no more tomfoolery, no more ballyhoo. All I remember him saying is no more drops. And Tomlin stuck it to him. He put him on the bench, much to the chagrin of many fantasy players there. How do you look at the Pittsburgh wideouts? Do you think they will go back on Monday night at Cincinnati to try to get him going? Or how would you look at that group as a prop there? Cause you have Chase Claypool, uh, James Washington's now an issue. Juju is consistent. Do you like one over the other here? How does that factor in after what went on last week in, in Buffalo?
1: I think they go right back to Deontay and they, they give him plenty of work. Um, he he did come back in the second half, and he looked good. And he, he, I think he's obviously the guy who gets open most there. I think all those receivers are really good, but I think he gets open, and they need him as part of that offense. I will say we, I bet the prop, we hit uh, James Washington over the past two weeks. Uh, that uh, Two weeks ago, Roethlisberger was talking about getting him a little more involved, even before the Deontay drop issues were really becoming a thing that was talked about. So, um you know, he he's had some low numbers where it's been like 17 and a half receiving yards the past couple of weeks or somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, and he's hit the over both weeks in a row. So it'll be interesting to see where that one opens up this week. And I think, you know, uh, again, based on them wanting to get him more involved even before, you know, the Deontay stuff popped up, you know, where, where they benched him in the first half this week, I think that you'll still see James Washington getting three or four targets or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see where they set his line. Um, I'm not sure what Pittsburgh is going to do. It sounds like James Conner's banged up, but we saw Pittsburgh early in the year running at a decent amount, uh, at least compared to what they started doing, where they've just gone almost completely to that short passing game. But you've also heard Ben Roethlisberger start talking about, hey, we need to run it more. So I kind of question, are they going to stick to this or going up against what is a, a bad team in Cincinnati? And they have a bad rushing defense. Are they going to say, "Hey, well, let's try and give Benny Snell a few more touches here"? You know, if James right. Conner can't play, and move away from that short passing game a little bit. So I'm going to kind of monitor that one going into the week, see where the lines open. Uh, I'm not probably not going to be looking to smash overs on anybody. I mean, in general, I'm looking at the unders first. I always look at the unders first uh, before the overs. That they're generally better bets for everything. So uh, I, I do still bet plenty of overs, but. Um, unless it's a real smash spot, I'm not going to go out and run out and say, yes, I need to bet some overs. So with the way Pittsburgh is, especially, you know, how hard it can be to predict their target distribution there. Um, I'm going to have to see where those lines open and, and, and see what's up with that and see where the rushing lines open too. Cause I could see again, if Connor can't play, maybe Benny Snell gets some more rushes and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll see what that happens with that
0: you got a movie that you like with a surprise ending i have used this to see some great things that I've never saw before get out was fantastic Knives out I watched recently very tricky good. ending suspenseful, something you like here that that uh you prefer to watch if it's if it's on uh one movie I watch
1: anytime it's not on TV too much anymore but every now and then you'll see it come on is uh it's from it's like from ninety seven or something like that. It's uh the game with Michael Douglas. Have you Ooh. ever seen that one?
0: Oh, I've heard of it.
1: Yes. I have not
0: seen it. Yep. That
1: Michael Douglas, Sean Penn. I mean, it's it's a really kinda interesting movie. It's David Fincher directs it. Um it's it's a really kinda you know, mindfuck kind of movie where you're like, okay, what's what's real and what's not? You know, like yep. what's what's going on here? Is it uh you know, is this all part of reality? Is this person in on it? Uh, so it, it kind of keeps you guessing it up until the end and, and you're not really sure what's going on. Uh, it, it's pretty fun like that where, where it's, it's a mystery a bit. So that that's a good one.
0: Oh, good one. Great one. I got to check it out. That's what I do here when I'm up doing my, my handicapping of my articles. I need something to watch. This is, this is great. <laughs>
1: Head,
0: heading into week 15. I'm looking for a pick. I'm looking for a game or a spread or something that you like here coming into week 15. that maybe you have a lean on anything out there that, that grabs you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I try to bet some spreads, you know, to balance out my action a little bit. I mean, if you're a long-term winner, they're going to limit you on props no matter what you do. But mm-hmm. it can be a little bit slower if you're not exclusively hammering props and you're you're throwing some decent bets on sides and totals. Um, I like Tampa Bay minus five and a half a little bit this week. That um, I got, I bet them last week too and got a bit lucky that you know the Vikings kept missing field goals. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that you look at where they're at as a team that they've got that strong rushing defense and yes Dalvin was able to run on him a bit uh this past week but that's not gonna be the case against the uh the Falcons. You know that Atlanta uh, Todd Gurley, I, I'm I'm gonna be looking at Gurley unders this week. He has not broken if, if they even have a line for him. I mean I, I gotta see what his health status is. But he hasn't broken thirty yards rushing in the past three games. Edo Smith is not anything special. Um You know, the Falcons' defense has actually been better lately, even through the air, so with Rojo possibly out, you might see Fournette on the ground for the Bucs, and and the Falcons' rush defense is actually kind of good. I think the Buccaneers might just go throwing it on the Falcons a lot here, and I think the Falcons, especially if they're missing Julio, are going to struggle to move the ball against the Buccaneers. So I think that – you know the buccaneers are on the road here you know but it's it's under 6 and you know 7 is the big key number but 6 is a bit of a key number too uh so as as long as this this number is under 6 i kind of favor the bucks on that one
0: looking for a cheap dfs play at running back wide receiver or tight end tight end of course is a wasteland but running back specifically here because a lot of people are going to want to play Derrick Henry at home against Detroit. They may like Dalvin Cook against Chicago, or maybe they're going to have to try a different build. Let's start with running back. Is there a, a cheaper DFS running back out there that you think maybe could surprise that can get you there, get people there if they need savings?
1: You know, looking through the list here, um, the one guy that has me interested in tournaments I think will be an interesting pivot. If, if Raheem Mostert can't go, you're going to see Jeff Wilson highly owned. You know, that he's 5,100 on DraftKings. They've got a cake matchup against the Cowboys. So you're going to see a ton of Jeff Wilson. I think that um, Damian Harris makes some sense as a pivot off of him. Uh, You know, New England's facing Miami. You know, New England wants to run as much as they can. Uh, Miami, they're stronger against the pass than the run. So Damian Harris, I don't like that he doesn't get a ton of targets, but yeah, I can see them loading him up with touches, and you know if he can punch a cu- couple touchdowns in, uh, I think he can make a nice lower own pivot. That he's at the exact same price as Jeff Wilson, so uh, I think it's one of those ways to kind of pivot off that ownership of saying, "Hey, Jeff Wilson's going to be super high owned as this guy with a great matchup, and you know theoretically getting a lot of touches if Mostert is out." Um, that a lot of people will be on him instead of Harris. Uh, so I'd, I'd like Harris to kind of take advantage of that ownership.
0: What about wide receiver? I, I kind of like McCole Hartman. I think that maybe he can pop there on the carpet, you know, as a cheap player, 3,400. Is it a cheap wide receiver you like?
1: Yeah, Hartman's nice, and he's cheap, uh, and he's always got that chance for a huge game. You know, one guy I I've always look at, and he has yet to have that big game, but he's getting the air yards, and he's had games with nine targets, 11 targets, and he just hasn't had that big signature game yet, is uh, Darnell Mooney. Yes, no, they good one. Yep. You know, it's it's easy to make fun of, you know, the the Bears and Mitch Trubisky and everything like that. But, you know, Mitch hasn't played terrible. You know, I mean, they, they, he's been out there doing okay, and they get the Vikings who the Vikings have gotten torn up through the air by some teams. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, Darnell Mooney has been – had a couple games where – if if he gets hit in stride with a long pass, you know, he could have added, like, you know, he could have easily gone on a, over 100 with a touchdown and like, six catches. So I'm, I'm going to say Darnell Mooney at 3,900 this week on DraftKings is a decent play. Again, he's he's kind of a, a you know, a what-the-heck kind of guy of, like, hey, he's not going to be high-owned. Um, So he's a GPP play, not a cash play. But I think he, he might be overlooked by a lot of people.
0: And lastly, what about tight end here? Irv Smith popped last week, had a nice game there. Dan Arnold has become Mr. Red Zone. Anybody down there at the bottom that you like for a cheap tight end this week?
1: You know, I mean, all the tight ends are kind of cheap other than the top guys because it's just been so crappy this year. Uh, Jordan Akins dropped an easy touchdown last week. The sun got in his eyes. Um, You know, I think that uh, Cooks is probably going to play this week, but, you know, you still got a bunch of weird guys there playing receiver for Houston. And uh, I think that Akins, you know, could, could have a decent game. Uh, and on the other side of that, uh, Indianapolis, uh, I think Trey Burton and Mo Cox are both kind of banged up. They both have sure. a knee thing and missed practice today. So I kind of want to see how that one plays out. And if uh, one of them misses, then the other guy, or even Jack Doyle, I mean, I don't really care for Jack Doyle, but if one of those guys misses then the other guy immediately becomes a little more interesting between Burton and Cox. So, um, I I look at them potentially one of them potentially as a cheap
0: option there. Very fair, John. This has been amazing. Let's look into the crystal ball. Last question, I'll get you out of here. Week 16 always an issue. People, no guts, no glory. I remember one of my fantasy titles started Brock Osweiler at home as Denver at my QB because I thought it was actually a good matchup. So sometimes you get a little crazy. Last week, Fitz went <laughs> last year. Fitz went nuts, four touchdowns against Cincinnati. Is there a week 16 guy? If you look at the schedule and you go, you know. He may be available, or he may be on your bench, but he honestly could bring you home a title.
1: Uh, Well, I I just touched on this, actually. Uh, Sticking with quarterback here, Mitch Trubisky. Mm -hmm. He's got Mm -hmm. the Vikings this week, and then he's got the Jaguars in Week 16. And, yeah, you can run on the Jaguars, too. But, um, you know, the Jaguars have actually kept a lot of games pretty competitive. So if Mitch has to go out there and throw against that soft Jaguars defense, uh, I don't see any reason he couldn't have a good game. He's at, he's had a couple of good games recently. I, I actually picked him up and had the guts to start him in a league where it's like, you know, I've been kind of streaming quarterback after Dak got injured. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, you know, when he, Mitch has got a good matchup, you know, they seem pretty committed to him. They, it doesn't look like they're getting ready to bench him for foals again or anything like that. Uh, he's been playing well. He's got a little bit of rushing upside. You know, he, he can run it there. And, uh, you know, he's been he's been playing OK lately. So I think I think Mitch makes for a decent play, decent stream for these final two weeks. If you're like me, where you lost a guy like Dak or you know, Joe Burrow or something like that, and you're you're kind of just piecing it together at quarterback.
0: Uh, I think you can do worse than Mitch. Folks, John Lipinski, one of the brightest in the business, does great work here at Rotovis. Dynasty best ball props, whatever you want check him out at bet the prop as well does a fantastic job john a pleasure man to have you back here on the mailbag touched on so many things and i I think if i take this title home i'm gonna have to owe you a beverage or two at some point (laughs) provided we survive the snow that is coming down right now here on the
1: yeah coming down fast and furious thanks for having me on mike
0: thank you for listening to rotoviz radio please rate and review the podcast on itunes under the fantasy football mailbag a rotoviz radio feed contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com we'd love to hear what you think so follow us on twitter at rotovizradio and at randall rant make sure you tell a friend and don't forget to sign up for a 10 percent discount on our podcast homepage, page forward slash podcast it's a no-brainer folks thanks for tuning in The wait is finally over, folks. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. From the game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Go and head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.